All right. Well, this morning, uh, I'm going to invite John Conkle. He's going to come and share. He's our, our guest this morning and a Chi Alpha missionary. And uh, he's got a testimony of what God's been doing on the campus at the University of Minnesota. And a word for you this morning. So would you give him a warm West Point welcome as he comes? Good morning. You guys got a dark vibe in this church. I like it. Just saying. Um, there you go. So, yeah, thanks, Pastor. Hey, West Point Church, thank, I just want to start by saying thanks. Uh, this church has been a supporting church of ours for many years, helping us extend our reach at the University of Minnesota, and we're really grateful. Um, as Pastor said, my name is John Conkle. Uh, been at the U now for 18 years. My wife and I were with YWAM uh, prior to that for about five years, and uh, woohoo, YWAM. That's right. And I brought a picture of my family here today. They can't be with us today, but... Um, there they are. So upper right, that's Jaden. He's 23. Jeremiah, he's 20 in the upper left. Jaron is bottom right. He's 17. And Josiah, bottom left, he's 10. And of course, my lovely wife. We just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary this summer. And I, and I, know, I know what you're thinking. You're like, he cannot be that old to have been married 25 years. That's the first thought you had, I'm sure. So we're the Cheesy J family, um, except our dog is Crosby. So, so there you go. You know, I believe the college campus is the single most strategic mission field on the planet. We at the University of Minnesota alone, we have over 6,000 international students. And so many of these students, they come from all over the world to study here. So many of them leaders who will go back to their countries and be changers. So many of them are coming from countries that we necessarily can't get into if we were to try to go as missionaries. And yet they're coming here and they're at our doorstep. So many leaders are studying at the universities right now that will touch all the spheres of our society. The next senators, House of Representatives, governors, mayors, even presidents. What happens if we reach the next principles of our public schools? The next media mogul who's going to program our kids' next video game. The next great artist or entertainer or athlete who has such a platform. What happens when they come to know who Jesus is? And I could go on and on and on. I'm going to share a little bit about what we've been doing at the University of Minnesota today. And, and a pastor asked me to preach today. I was like, let's do it. And so um, I want to look today at a couple passages, but... I want to start with a very familiar passage, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Go, therefore, into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Very familiar passage. And, but I was looking at that passage one time, and uh, I heard this. You know, I, got a little, I, I get a little geeky with words. Are there any wordsmiths out there? Like, you secret Scrabble players, or, right? You just love, yep, yeah, right? So maybe... So the word go here, the word go is in the present tense imperfect, which means nothing to most of you. <laughs> right? But it's actually really significant because that word go could also be read like this. As you go. Or as you are going. 
And the, real, the reason why I think that that subtle difference is really important is because a lot of times we hear the call to go from the missionary or about the missionary and, and we think of going to an exotic place or going on an airplane and going overseas and, and it might seem just a little abstract or a little out there. But when we hear it read like as we are going or as we go, I think it becomes a little bit more personal to us all because the reality is we're all supposed to be missional. And so when we think about going where we're already going, whether that's work, to the grocery store, to a concert, wherever we're going, it's this idea that as I go, I have my spiritual antennas always up. As I go, I'm always looking to partner with what Jesus is wanting to do and that we can all be missional wherever we go, wherever God has placed us week in and week out, day in and day out, to be able to be about the Father's business. And so I want to take a look at a couple passages this morning. I want to look and see how Jesus does this. Anybody want to learn about Jesus, how Jesus does this? Don't you hate when the pastor asks a question you can't say no to? Right? Who wants to go, no, I actually don't want to learn what Jesus did. <laughs> pastor, thank you. I'm going to pass on that. All right, John chapter 5. John chapter 5 says this, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Everybody say, Jesus went to Jerusalem. Jesus. Now there's in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, in Hebrew called Bethsaida, which has four, five porticos. It's like, this, it's like this platform outside of a, a, a staircase. Maybe there's like a, a roof, and it's just like this area outside before you enter into a, a big building. Sort of picture that as a portico. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who'd been there ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been lying there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is troubled. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your pallet, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his pallet and walked. I'd read this passage many times before, and something struck me at one point. I started reading in, in, in verse 3, and I, I said, man, Jesus, there's, there's multitudes of invalids and, and, and lame and, and blind and, and paralyzed. And, man, you could have really, really revealed yourself in this moment. Like, this seems like... Like, all the ingredients were, were here for you to just, like, show who you are. And you could have started a revival. With, and you could have healed all these different people that had so much need. And everybody would have known who you were. And everybody would have believed. And it would have been awesome. And yet, the passage talks about this one person. And I just asked God, what, why, why just the one and I felt like the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to keep reading. I want you to go down to verse 19. I'm going to tell you the answer. And verse 19 says this. Truly, truly, I say to you. You know, everything Jesus says in the Bible we want to listen to, but there's a handful of times he says truly, truly. You want to, like, really tune in. This is one of these truly, truly passages. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever he does, that the son does likewise. Jesus just healed the one because that's what he saw the father doing. 
That's what, he was, that's what the father was whispering to him. He was being led by the spirit of God. But Jesus was just headed to Jerusalem at first. But as he was going to Jerusalem, he healed a man who'd been ill for 38 years because he was attentive to the father. He was waiting. He knew that God was always at work and that Jesus was willing and ready to partner with him at any point. You say, well, that's okay. That's fine. That's Jesus. Jesus can do that. Well, let's take a look at Acts 3 then really quick. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 says this. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him with John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention upon them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said... I have no silver and gold, but I give to you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat before, for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I think about Peter, just a little side note, I think about Peter in this passage and, 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 and Peter in Acts sharing the gospel boldly and seeing 3,000 people come to the Lord, but I also think of Peter way back when he was standing around the fire and he was asking if he knew Jesus and he kept denying knowing Jesus and even this campfire girl came and said, who, do you know Jesus? I don't know who he is. And nothing against campfire girls or girls that like camp. I mean, there just might be a little bit more daunting people that would have approached him at that moment. Um, G Peter has this moment where somehow he becomes this guy who can't say, I, I know who Jesus is, to this fiery preacher. Well, there's this moment in the book of Mark I want to show you really quick. This is just a side note, but I love this passage. Mark 16, 7, it says this. Jesus, he raises from the dead, and he says, go tell, go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm, that I'm risen. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Right? Wasn't Peter a disciple? Doesn't that sound redundant? Well, couldn't he have just said, go tell the disciples? But he says, go tell the disciples and Peter. So almost like... Jesus was reinstating Peter in this moment. This is a powerful piece of scripture that really, I think, just was the beginning of Peter getting re, uh, re, reinstituted, if you will, and forgiven. And becomes this fiery guy. Okay, back to where we were. Sorry, I just had to share that. I really love that passage. Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. But as they were going, they spotted somebody in need. They could have been fixed. Man, I'm, I'm, I am not like this by nature. Like, I am like one-track mind. If I'm going somewhere, like if, I, if my wife asked me to go to the store for like three items, like I am just like, where are those items? 
walking over to, like, nobody's going to, that's all I'm doing. Like, if I have a task, I'm literally just doing that task. And yet, God is often asking us to operate completely different than that. He want, we're often going to be inconvenienced. But we want to stay so, sta- so sta- safe and so secure. And at times want things to be so predictable. But life's not like that, is it? And so there's a challenge that every time we walk out our door, that we, when we go, wherever we are going, that as we are going, the Father might want us to partner with him in some way, shape, or form. He might want us to go pray for that person over there. He might want us to give to this person. I don't know what it is, but it's the mentality and the understanding that he's going to want to do that and the anticipation and expectation that he's going to want to do that that could really change the way we live our lives. They were going to pray. It was a great thing, really good thing that they were about to do. And yet they were prepared to see what was in front of them and do something different in that moment. I want to share just briefly a few of my own stories, my own personal stories of how I've seen God teach me how to do this, how to live this out. We would often have Bible studies out on the mall area at the University of Minnesota because we wanted to be like just around students while we were doing it. Like, you know, it's, and it's not, it's not warm very, for very long <laughs> on the University of Minnesota campus. You can only be outside studying the Bible for so many months before it's really cold. And so we, we would do that. And I remember it was homecoming time, and I remember reading the Bible. We were having our, a great Bible study. We were talking about things. I just glanced up at the big banner over Kaufman that said, homecoming. And in that moment, I felt the Lord speak to me instantly and said, John, I want you to preach on the steps of Kaufman about the ultimate homecoming next week. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That's crazy. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Can I tell you, just tell you something? When God tells you to do something really big and scary, the first thing you got to do is tell somebody you trust and you love to keep you accountable to it. Or you just won't ever get around to doing it. You will rationalize and reason your way out of it. You just will. So I was fortunate enough to have some really good friends that I shared this with, and they are all like, let's do this. I'll lead worship. I'll get a guitar. We'll do I was like, yes! So we did this. We read, led some worship. Got, and I just started preaching about homecoming and about the ultimate homecoming, about Jesus coming one day and being prepared for that. And I felt like one of those old fiery brimstone preachers from the, not brimstone, but just preachers from the past, open air, man, just doing it. And, uh, you know, I got stares. I got rolling eyes. I got really intent eyes. I got all sorts of looks and responses. But the one I remember the most was when I was finished, there was a Vietnamese student sitting here on the step, shaking uncontrollably. And I came up to him and I said, what's going on? He, he said, I, I just this picture in my mind's eye of me standing on a fence and I'm being pulled in one direction and I'm being pulled in the other direction at the same time. And I felt the Lord was te- showing me that this was just like the spiritual warfare picture of where his soul was at and where his heart was at as he was trying to respond to the gospel message. And I, I was able for the next five, ten minutes to share with him the gospel about who Jesus was and what was going on in his soul. It was this really, really powerful, powerful moment. 
I also remember prayer walking campus one day. I just felt like, man, I just wanted to start prayer walking. So I, I, I just went to prayer walk. That's all I wanted to do was just walk the campus and pray. And all of a sudden, I came upon this just a lot of hubbub was going on. There was a megaphone, and it, it, I think it was a political year, so there was all these political campaign signs, and all, lots of things were happening. I was trying to just stay focused on my prayer walking, and I was about to get out of that area, and I heard someone from the megaphone shout, anybody can come up. Anybody can come up, and for five minutes, they can say anything they want. <laughs> I was like, really? Wow. Instantly. The Lord spoke to my heart. He said, John, I want you to go speak. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I get in the line over here. There's a line. There's one guy in front of me. There's a guy up at the megaphone. He gets up, and he's like, dudes, man, like, I'm a skateboarder, and I just want to say that we should be able to skateboard, like, anywhere on campus, dude, like, anywhere. Like, there should be no restrictions, bro. Like, everywhere should be free access for us skateboarders. Right. And then he dropped the megaphone, right? That was, that was him. I'm like, okay. They told me you could say anything you wanted to, right? So the other guy, and, and, then this, and then the other guy gets up to the megaphone, and I'm being told, like, I'm the last guy. I don't know how they, long they've been doing this, but, like, I'm going to be the last guy. I'm like, okay. So the next guy comes up. Kid you not, he comes up to the mic, and he goes, I just want to say that there is no God. God does not exist Everybody who believes in God is a phony. He's been tricking you. And I'm over here going, you have got to be kidding me. How do I, what a, he's just going on, he's doing his thing. Like, everybody should hate God. And, all, and he just, then he leaves. And I got to tell you guys, I'm over here, and I still do not have any clue what I'm going to say. Not, I mean, not even like, hi. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to say. And I just come up to the mic, or the megaphone. And at the last second, I just hear a gentle whisper, son, I want you to pray. So I take the megaphone, and I just begin to pray. And I can't remember everything I said, but I just remember praying for the dorms and praying for innocent people, or innocent students, and for purity, and for a love, and for them to understand the Father's love, and praying. I mean, I just, I just, I just was praying. And I remember being done, you could hear a pin drop. And I just, I just kind of walked off the steps and kind of went my way. And, you know, sometimes you second guess, like, maybe I should have stopped and lingered and maybe talked more with people. And, but I felt the pleasure of God because I just responded in obedience. I was just going to prayer walk. But as I was going, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I want you to be a, a witness here in this moment for these people. Finally, when I came to the campus in 2005 and I began just the itineration process, raising support to get on campus, you know, I just would go back and forth and back and forth and University Avenue Fraternity Row and I just felt like, is anybody reaching these fraternities? And I felt like the Lord say, yeah, John, I, I want you to start reaching them and I want you to start by cleaning toilets. I said, oh, Okay. I'm, that wasn't the answer I was looking for, but I'm going to do it. So I recruited a student. We started knocking on fraternity doors saying, hey, we just, we're a neighbor. We love you guys. We would love to just bless you guys any way we can. Um, can we just help clean your fraternities? 
They were like, dude, are you serious? You just want to, like, come and clean, like, for free? Oh, yeah, man, come on in. Right? I mean, they're just like, what? Like, let's do it. So we began to do that. And during that time, I felt like the Lord stirred my heart. How can we reach these fraternities? And I felt like God gave me the the idea of, of chaplaincy. Universities were founded with chaplains. It was a different time, but it was very common for a university to have a chaplain, a spiritual guide, a counselor, a pastor, if you will. And so I just began to pitch this idea to different presidents, just naively, right? I'm just trying to listen to God. And I had a particular president who just so happens God was moving in his life. He was burning him to read his dusty Bible that was on his bookshelf for many years, cover to cover, and he didn't know why. And I met with him, and I shared what I was thinking about. And he said, this, is, this sounds really exciting. I'm going to take it back to our guys, and we're going to vote. And they voted, and they made me their chaplain. And for the last 16 years, I've been able to go every year, especially in the fall, to the Interfraternity Council meetings that begin. In fact, tonight, you guys can be praying for me, is our, fr- our Interfraternity Council meeting where I speak before all the presidents and vice presidents, and I, I share about chaplaincy and what that means and, and how I've been uh, connecting with, with, with frat brothers and helping them with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, addictions. I just want to study the Bible. Uh, I grew up in the church, but I put my uh, faith on the shelf since I've come to school, and I, I want to rekindle that faith. And over the years, we've seen many people come to the Lord, and, and we saw some really great fruit. But about three years ago, I was like, Lord, I just want to see more. Like, I just want to, is there a way that we can just, I, I just want to see more. And I felt like God showed me a picture of a dam breaking. And I felt like God said, I, I want you to, to know you have the green light from here on out. Every time you speak in a chapter, I want you to give a gospel proclamation. You see, there were times where it just, I, 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 I was maybe a little vocal and, and there was kickback and there's discernment involved with a, a particular president, whether they're, they're, there's favor there with them. And so I was always trying to tiptoe and navigate how to, how to do that with the, with the fraternities year after year. But, but three years ago, the Lord said, you got the green light. I'm gonna, every time you come, I want you to give a gospel proclamation. And three years ago, we saw 16 fraternity brothers come to the Lord. Two years ago, we saw 20 fraternity brothers come to the Lord. In this last school year, we saw 52 fraternity brothers come to the Lord. Yeah, we can clap for that. And I'm believing for more. As this process starts for this school year tonight, that many chapters will have me come and schedule me in to come speak to their individual chapters. When an- and afterwards, anonymously, students will come and meet with me, and get to know who Jesus is. And that's really exciting for me. You say, so what? The time to go is now. Jesus said so. But as we go, we need to listen and obey because we all have the Holy Spirit inside of us so we can all hear God whisper to us and lead us as we go and be missional wherever we go. With your eyes closed, I just want to just pray a response. You know, the difference between the Bible and every other piece of literature is that it's living and active. And so it's not just, it's not just accumulating knowledge about the Bible today. It's how we respond to what the Bible says, what the Word of God is saying to us. And so I just want to say a couple, ask a couple of things today. 
First of all, you just simply may be saying in your heart, I'm far from Jesus. Or maybe I've attended this church for a while and I, I don't frankly know if I know who Jesus is or if I died today that I'd, I'd be with him. And if that's you, you just simply say, I, I, I want to accept who Jesus is. I believe. I want to follow him. So I, I want to be one of those guys who's going, but I need to get right with him. If that's you, I just ask you to slip up your hand today. I want to pray for you. And then maybe you just say, everything you said, John, is just really awesome, and I'm just excited about it, but I don't even know where to start. Like, I don't know what that looks like. I, I, I don't know who to go to. Uh, there's fear blocking me. There's, there's apathy blocking me. Frankly, maybe there's unbelief or doubt blocking me. And if that's you, just wanna, I just want to pray that God would anoint you today and break through some of those obstacles for you to realize that you can be missional where you're at. You can go and respond to Jesus as he leads you. If that's you, just ask you to lift up your hand. I want to pray for you today if that's you. Yeah. Yep. So I just want to close in prayer. I'm going to hand it over to Pastor. Lord, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord. We don't get it right every day. Even as Pastor was sharing earlier, we, we just we make mistakes, Lord. We're thankful for your grace. But, Lord, we desire to follow you. We desire to be in step with the Spirit of God. And I just pray in Jesus' name that you would break through, whether it's instantaneously, supernaturally today, whether it's a, a process, however it looks, Lord, break through any obstacle that keeps us from hearing your voice and responding to you. We even now may think of people at our workplace, people in our neighborhood, people at our schools that God has put us in position to reach and be an influence at. Would you just show us how to do that first step today? Just give us an insight. Give us a way to do that. Give us the courage to do so. We ask for your anointing today, God. We thank you again for your word and what you're doing in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you want to talk to me afterwards, I'd love to talk to you. Maybe you have a student going to University of Minnesota coming up, or you have a student at a Minnesota State School. I know the other Chi Alpha pastors in the state. We could talk. Um, or you just want to take a prayer card. I would appreciate you guys praying for us. We're, in the, we're finishing up our support raising process right now, and it's a few hundred dollars a month. We are still short. If personally you, you say, man, I believe in Chi Alpha, I believe in campus ministry, Hey, come talk to me. Take a prayer card. But more importantly, man, please pray for tonight. Please pray for tonight, the Interfraternity Council meeting that's going on. That God would move and be favor there so we see so many more students come to know who Jesus is. Thank you.